0: Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson, nationwide from Atlanta, Georgia. The phone number 877 Sure hope things are lovely where you are today, pouring down rain here in my house, but that's all right. We got a lot to get into, including uh, Russia, more on oil, um, the ban on Russian imports. You should know the oil futures market have, have fallen 5% from yesterday. Uh, thinking now that the ban on Russian oil imports won't impact us too much. Uh, Questions now about Ukraine and getting more munitions. Uh, President Zelensky gave a speech overnight where he said uh, the Ukrainians have captured so many Russian armaments, they're now using the Russian armaments against the Russians. Uh, To discuss all of this with me, someone who actually knows a great deal about what's happening on the ground over there, been very vocal about it, Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Welcome. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Great. Uh, All right. Um, I I, want to get into this with you real quick uh, on the intelligence stuff. Some people have blasted you for this. You haven't released anything, uh, not public. uh, But yet there do seem to be some people in the media in particular who have been critical of you. And I'm just it it, it seems like you were out there more than most upfront warning what was going to happen. And it's almost like they're coming after you for raising the red flags nobody paid attention to.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't really pay attention to the media, so I have no idea who it is you're talking about, nor, frankly, do I care, because they don't know what they're talking about. Um, I I can – and I think what's interesting about this crisis uh, is that it is being, you know, globally broadcast in real time through a combination of people on the ground taking video, through commercial overhead imagery – through testimony for, for, from the different bureaus and journalists who are on the ground in the war zone. And I think what's important as a policymaker is to explain to the American people, you know, why this should matter to us. Because, frankly, a few weeks ago, there were a lot of people that were asking why do we care whether he invades Ukraine or not? What is it going to mean to us? You know, why does it matter when we have so many problems here in our own country? And I think for someone who knows the answer to that, you know, we have an obligation to explain to people why it matters and to sort of describe what's happening in in, in real time to them. So, um, and i I intend to continue to do that.
0: Well, let's, let's go in that direction because there are people who say, well, we can't control our Southern border. We shouldn't be in Ukraine worried about their border or, uh, is Putin is somehow the, the good guy here. Uh, can you just uh, explain generally to people why this really does matter? Well first, all, I agree that we
1: need to secure our southern border, and that means you know enforcing our laws so i don 't believe America should deploy a single one of our ice or border agents to Ukraine or Europe or anywhere else um, and so I think that we can we can do that and and we should do that and the Biden administration not doing that um, is inexcusable separate from that because it 's a completely different part of our government is what happens internationally so So let me tell you there 's two reasons why it matters the first is we 're seeing it in real time, and that is that whether we like it or not, a lot of the global economy is interconnected. And so, for example, Ukraine is a massive wheat producer. Uh, we don't buy from them, but uh, they produce 14% of the world's wheat. Obviously, there's not going to be a lot of Ukrainian wheat coming out anytime soon. So that's going to have a ripple effect in places like Egypt, and places like Yemen, um, and, and, and in other parts of the world. And it's going to create instability in different parts of the world that do begin to start to impact America's interest. The other is, you know, anytime there's a war anywhere in the world, particularly near shipping lanes, you're now going to see a bunch of uh, sh- container ships have to, not just so the price of the freight is going to go up, but they're going to have to be rerouted to avoid it. And we already have all kinds of uh, delays in shipping, which has, you know, screwed up supply chains and contributed to inflation. So that's a factor. And then obviously, you know, anytime a major oil producing country like Russia is engaged in active hostilities it's going to have an impact on global oil supplies and and the cost of a barrel of oil, which will raise not just the cost of gas in America, but the cost of everything. Uh, So those those are sort of real-time, immediate reasons to care about it. The second reason to care about it is we've got a big-time war going on within very close proximity of deployed NATO forces. And we have an alliance in NATO that if one of the countries in NATO is attacked, Suddenly we find ourselves at war with Russia, basically World War III. The third reason to care is because the last 30 years have been sort of an aberration. Uh, The the history of man, 5,500 years of recorded history, has been the history of the powerful being very tempted to force their weaker uh, neighbors or what have you to live under their demand and control. And in many ways, Western civilization in America in particular through our principles of individual liberty and and then our tools like democracy and limited government and a a judicial system based on equality under the law are all built to constrain what we know to be human nature. Because the one thing that never changes is human nature. Technology changes, the economy changes, but human nature does not change. And so Western civilization, but America in particular, is a way to curb that. Well, what Russia and China are now saying is we want to go, we are powerful enough now to go back to the old world where we can decide that something belongs to us and we're going to take it no matter. And you, and in order for you to do anything with those people, you got to get our permission. That's what Russia is arguing in Eastern Europe. That's what China is arguing in the Pacific, Taiwan, the South China Seas. in some ways it's what Iran is arguing in the middle East. And it's why they want a nuclear weapon.
0: Now, There have been reports out overnight, Wall Street Journal and and the um, NBC News, that uh, the Saudis and the UAE won't return or answer Joe Biden's phone calls, but they will Vladimir Putin's. Now, as someone you and I have talked about this before, I grew up in Dubai. We've always had a great relationship with them. Uh, Iran is funding uh, terrorists in Yemen, the Houthi, who have been attacking the Saudis and the UAE. There was a a missile intercept in in Abu Dhabi just a couple of weeks ago, and yet, uh, the Biden administration seems to be headed towards this Iran deal that's going to embolden them. I, I, one, I can't blame them for not returning his phone call. And, and two, it seems like uh, he's fundamentally altering uh, our alliances in the Middle East that might not be for the best.
1: Yeah, look, I think it's a mistake for the Saudis and the UAE to cut America off that way because they don't like Joe Biden, and I hope they'll reconsider. But my guess is that they're probably sitting there saying, you know, when Iran attacks us, particularly Saudi Arabia, and tries to kill Saudi government leaders through launches that the Houthis do on their behalf. All we hear from you guys is you need to exercise restraint. But now that Russia has acted against you know a European country in your interest, there you want us to speak up and be be vocal about it. Um, and, then, and and it's just not going to work that way. At least that's what their argument would be. I would also imagine that they're pretty upset that this administration is trying to ram through a deal with Iran. That won't just give create a pathway for them to ultimately become a nuclear weapons power, uh, because that's what the ultimate conclusion of this deal becomes five, eight, ten years down the road. But it also allows all kinds of Iranian oil to enter the marketplace and become their competitor. Right. So I think they're they're arguing, you know, we've got an enemy in Iran that's as important to us as a Russia might be to you. But uh, you don't seem to want to help us with that one. So why should we help you with yours? I mean, that's my guess about what their attitude is right now towards this administration.
0: Now, before I let you go here, I want to talk about Putin and and the publicly known data out there. Uh, I I think you have suggested, and I've been reading this for a couple of years now, that there does seem to be some physical mental change with Putin. Uh, Condoleezza Rice uh, was on television, I guess, two weeks ago and said the the Vladimir Putin of today does not seem to be the Vladimir Putin she was familiar with. Uh, What do we have as a sense of what's actually going on in Moscow?
1: Well, I think anything about his neurological or health is all just speculation. And, and in the end, you know, there's just, uh, and that's not something that I have any background in neurology to give you an opinion on. I do think he's a different Vladimir Putin for a different reason. And that is, you know, he's now 70 years old this year, so he didn't have forever. And he views his legacy, his place in history, as uh, one of the great leaders in Russian history, out there with Peter the Great and, and, you know, Catherine the Great, basically, and all the great Russian leaders have expanded territories. What's his view?
0: I rescued Russia
1: from the 90s disaster, and I restored us as a great global power. Well, Russia can't be a great global power unless Belarus and Ukraine are both under their thumb, whether it's territory they conquer or they become vassal states. And he probably has decided that military uh, invasion is the only way to, to bring Ukraine under his thumb at this point, and that now is the best time to do it for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is you know, global oil prices. And he he took action and he miscalculated. I don't think he expected this sort of global response. And I think he thought this would be a much faster conflict and there would be a lot less resistance. So now he's in a tough spot because he can't back down and he can't be humiliated because it would probably cost him his position and put him in real danger. So he's almost got to figure out a way to just fight through it at this point. And that's not good. I mean, that could lead to all kinds of increasingly horrifying outcomes. And we've already seen enough of that.
0: So if if there were things that we could do that we're not doing right now, what, what would your recommendation be?
1: Well, I think we continue to do everything possible. You know, I, I, um, I think if a country is willing to fight an adversary of ours for their own freedom, we should help them in any way possible. And that's our interest here is to help Ukraine as much as we can with, while trying to avoid World War III at all, at all possible. That doesn't mean Putin gets a veto over what we get to do. So I think we're doing a lot right now. I think providing them stingers and anti-tank weaponry has been incredibly important. And I think that the one that's going to become increasingly urgent is how to get them fuel, you know, because they're going to need fuel to continue to operate a resistance to what Russia is doing. At, at some point, you know, they're, they've had a lot of fuel depots hit. And so I do think Ukraine's going to begin to face a, a, a fuel shortage for their own defense at some point. And uh, that, so that's another creative way to do it. And then these sanctions are going to start biting. I mean, they really, really are. I mean, the Russian economy is in free fall, and they weren't that big to begin with. The Russian economy is not that big to begin with. It's smaller than Italy's. These invasions, these protracted Military conflicts, as we well know, cost a lot of money, and every day that he's spending down this money, it gets harder and harder for him to sustain it as his economy is headed towards the tank.
0: Now, WDBO down in in Orlando, one of my affiliates, has a story up today that gas prices in Florida are now at record highs. Um, I'm— I I, I assume you're on the the side of uh, we should be drilling more domestically here, but uh, do you have any frustrations with with our direction on energy policy right now?
1: Yeah, if you look back at 2019, right, pre-COVID, and then you look at last year, at the end of last year, there's at least 1.2 million barrels of oil a day less that we're producing. So right there, we, we've got to figure out a way to incentivize uh, in, increasing you know, the, the global supply of oil from the United States. You know, OPEC's already said they're not going to increase by more than 400,000 barrels a day. And I think the combination of that and what's happening, Russia's being eliminated because more and more people are not buying it. Uh, I think they're, they're, I think their exports are probably down a substantial amount because even if it's not banned, a lot of traders won't touch it has led to the speculation that's raising these oil prices. And I think the United States can be a major contributor to doing that. And I don't get the opposition to it here in the United States and from those close to Biden because a barrel of oil from Saudi Arabia is the same thing to the climate as a barrel of oil from America. The only difference is who gets the money for it and who gets the jobs. And the other thing is if you're a developing country and oil gets too expensive, you turn increasingly to coal which is even, you know, a, a bigger emitter of, of, than, than oil is. So um, I, I really hope this administration yesterday, you know, is not being honest with people about the restrictions and the negativity that their policies have put on American exploration. We need more American oil, and if we announced that that was a priority, you would see it reflected um, in the long term for certain, but even in the way the market reacts now.
0: Yeah, yeah. you know, Senator, someone pointed out yesterday that um, back in 2008 when oil hit 147 million, a barrel. George Bush came out that day, said we would start tapping reserves in the Gulf of Mexico, and oil went down the next day, was down 12% that week because it's a futures market, and was down to $30 a barrel by that November. It just, it, it seems like a no-brainer to me, and, and I'm sure there's going to be some voter frustration there, even as it's probably the right thing to stop the Russian oil coming. Uh, listen, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. My best to your family, and really appreciate you stopping by today.
1: Hey, Daniel, thanks for doing this.
0: Absolutely. Senator Marco Rubio from Florida. Uh, Glad to have him in. He's one of the foremost experts in what's going on with Ukraine right now. Always good to have him. Uh, When we get back, I do want to review some of the oil data from yesterday. Lots of requests from people. Can you go back over it briefly? I do want to go back over it briefly with you. And I've got some more data on those 9,000 leases. Why aren't they being used? It might surprise you. You can call in 877-973-7425 Should you wish to be on the program. Now, I I gotta tell you, I want to play something for you real quick. If if you don't know, and you should know, I grew up. I yes, I was I was totally a nerd as a kid. If you can't tell, loved classical music hated it was not a big fan of 80s pop music my my sisters were my wife believes that uh, the only good music was made between roughly 1981 and 1989 wasn't my thing but one of my favorite pieces the build-up here is fantastic It's better with cannons and explosions. I love this piece of music. That's the 1812 Overture. Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. It's a famous piece of music. It was written to celebrate the Russians repelling Napoleon in 1812. It's a famous piece of music. Tchaikovsky was Russian. And the Welsh Royal Orchestra has now canceled a performance of the 1812 uh, Overture because Tchaikovsky was Russian. It hurts my head that people could be that stupid. Russian-owned businesses in New York and restaurants, Russian-themed restaurants, are being vandalized and boycotted. You know, what I actually find extremely interesting here, back during the early days of COVID, the media was in full hair on fire mode over anti-Asian violence. And any perceived backlash against anything China-related was met by the American press corps with a, a just hellacious war and attack against anyone who criticized anything. Remember, they started out saying China virus repeatedly until Donald Trump did. And then suddenly it was racist to say it. And then we had to worry about the anti-Chinese backlash and the violence. And then the guy shot up the spa in Atlanta and it was uh, anti-Asian violence. And then it turned out that it was predominantly younger black men causing all the violent attacks against Asian people for being Asian. And, And it all went away. But for the longest time, in the run-up to the uh, release of the virus from the Wuhan lab, the then by the way, the media to this day does not like for you to say that the virus came from the Wuhan lab when it appears that it did. You know what I always found amazing is that the the media thought it was bigoted to suggest there was an accidental lab leak from a from a lab in China but thought it was perfectly fine and reasonable for you to suggest it was because the Chinese eat weird animals in in an open air market that's not racist it's racist to think it came from a high tech lab and was an accident no no that's the racism that the the non-racist view was these chinese backwoods people eat this garbage food that's just bizarre but there was a massive amount of outrage about it. And now, while the stories certainly percolate about Russian bans and violence against Russian businesses and the like, there sure is a lot of quiet from the press. There isn't this amount of outrage. Yes, they covered it, and they can say, Well, we covered it. What do you expect us to do? well, I expect you to be just as vocal now as you were then. Why are you so vocally in defense of the Chinese government and not in defense of the Russian people? The Russian people are not doing this war. Vladimir Putin is. Vladimir Putin is. And the more the Russians find out about it, the the, uh, more furious they are about it. it. Tens of thousands of people getting carted off to prison in Russia for protesting the war. Good for them. Good for them. Now, When we come back, gas leases, Uh, what's going on with the leases? There are 9,000 of them. Why aren't they being used, among other things? I actually have some data. I've been making phone calls. I've been asking people. I've been reading. I have data. I have more data on the oil stuff. It is truly, genuinely absurd madness that this administration will not expand domestic drilling. It is true that there are some capacity restraints. It's very true but even the suggestion of a future easing would bring down gas prices. I've got the evidence to back up that statement as well. You're about to be the most informed people on your neighbor in your neighborhood. When I come back, I'll take your phone calls as well. 877-973-7425. It's Eric Erickson, Nationwide. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, The Eric Erickson Show. The phone number, if you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. I want to start with a phone call here. Fred, you're going to be up first today. If I can actually, oh, fire up. There we go, Fred. How are you? Good, Eric. How are you
1: this morning? Good. Good. I'm walking – actually, I'm in Roswell walking by one of your favorite restaurants, Table Maine, right now.
0: Oh, my gosh. I've, I've been craving it.
1: Yeah. Here's, here's my point on the whole oil and gas. Um, we have family back in West Virginia who just negotiated with an oil company. It took several months from the negotiation. They just signed the lease last Friday, and they don't expect – by the time they put the infrastructure in, they don't expect the drill – until June of 2023. Mm-hmm. So it's not as easy as what people think. It's a lengthy process for this to happen. I just wanted to share that
0: to you and your viewers. Yeah, it, so it, it is, you're right. Uh, but also keep in mind as well that that it is a, a futures market. Um, and so they value oil based on, on future access, not on immediate access, which is why Back in 2008, uh, Bush could say, we're going to start expanding and that was going to take up to two to three years to put in the rigs and get it out. But oil already started going down because of that's a great point though. Cause yeah, I think people really do think we're just going to, we're going to stick a big pipe in the ground tomorrow and it's all going to come out. It doesn't work that way. And there's also a steel shortage right now, uh, which is making it uh, even harder to do. Fred, I appreciate that. Um, but I don't appreciate you making me hungry all of a sudden. <laughs> Such a good restaurant. If you ever come to Georgia, if you ever come to Georgia, you need to go to the city of Roswell, downtown. Every restaurant is fantastic. My favorite restaurant is Table in Maine, which I'm loath to say on radio because then everybody shows up and expects to see me there. And occasionally you do because it's such a best bourbon collection as well. But nonetheless. All right. I, I want to actually get into some of this for you because a lot of people have been calling and asking, what about the leases? I've done research. I've talked to people. Steve Malloy, actually, interestingly enough, um, he was in the, the Trump EPA transition and, and the like. He's got some information on this, but I actually talked to a number of people in the oil and gas industry, of whom I know many, uh, what the problem is, if there are all of these leases out there, uh, why aren't they being used? This is something the White House relies on. The White House talking point is that there are 9,000 unused leases in the United States for oil and gas. There are roughly 37,496 oil and gas leases out there with the federal government. There is a 75% utilization rate, which is actually at a high, but Of those, 2,200 leases are in federal court right now, being tied up in litigation. At the same time, companies have to complete a full evaluation of the land and a full leasehold in order to get access to the oil underneath. Now, here's something uh, else that impacts this. Let's say you go down on this lease and you realize you have to use horizontal drilling. Horizontal drilling is a technique to get more oil out of the ground where you don't just drill down, you can drill out to the side. If the horizontal drilling drills out to the side too far from where your platform is, you have to get another lease. And the Biden administration is not giving any more onshore leases. On top of that, an Obama-appointed federal judge got rid of a lot of offshore leases and the Biden administration has refused to appeal the decision. Now, not all leases are used because a lot of it is exploratory. You bank on the fact that you think there is oil there and you drill and there's not sufficient amount of oil there. Therefore, you give it up. There are 4,621 permits to drill awaiting approval. The government could approve the permits now, but they've chosen not to. There are 9,173 approved permits, but other factors are causing those companies to wait, including building up a sufficient inventory of permits to make sure that They don't have to horizontally drill, or if they do, they already have access to the leases, among other things. But there's something else here you have to understand. And this, in talking to the energy experts I've talked to, is probably the biggest reason. The number one reason oil companies are refusing to further invest is because this administration has declared war on fossil fuel. When the president of the United States says he wants to put your industry to an end, it is hard to get expanded incentivization incentives to drill. In 2020, on a debate stage, Joe Biden said, quote, no more subsidies for the fossil fuel industry, no more drilling, including offshore, no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period. It ends. That's a direct quote from Joe Biden. That's what Joe Biden himself said.
1: That's not me.
0: No more subsidies for fossil
1: fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. Ends.
0: That's Joe Biden in 2020. When the President of the United States declares war on your industry, your industry is smart not to try to invest in growing. The president controls the executive branch of government. The executive branch of government controls the regulators. The regulators control the regulations, and the regulations control you. When the president of the United States says there will be no more subsidies for your industry, there will be no more drilling on federal land, there will be no more drilling offshore, there will be no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period, it ends. Guess what? The oil industry doesn't invest in upgrades, it doesn't invest in new infrastructure, it doesn't invest in expanding because it knows it's not gonna be able to. The Biden administration is blaming the oil and gas industry saying they haven't invested. Well, of course, they haven't invested because the Biden administration has said they want, quote, no ability for the oil industry to continue to drill, period, it ends, end quote. So why would they invest? There is a solution. There is a solution. The Biden administration can make peace with the fact that we're going to need more oil. Marco Rubio was on in the first half hour of this program, and he pointed out oil is oil. It doesn't matter whether you get the oil from Iran or Saudi Arabia, or Venezuela, oil is oil. It matters who you get it from, not the product itself. You burn oil from Saudi Arabia, Iran, or Venezuela, it has the same carbon footprint as the oil you burn in the United States. So why not get it from the United States and not be beholden to these other countries? And also, a lot of third world countries are gonna have to go back to coal if they can't get oil and coal has a bigger carbon footprint than oil. You're creating an environmental disaster in the name of saving the environment. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. It doesn't make any sense. If you want to understand what's going on here, the Biden administration signaled an end to the fossil fuel industry in the United States, has put in place regulations to make sure it happens, has refused to fight aggressive federal judges appointed by Barack Obama who have shut down oil drilling on technicalities, has themselves held up leases and permitting on federal land and now blames the oil industry. The oil industry has some problems. It has not invested in infrastructure. It has not invested in infrastructure because the Biden administration told them they were going to be put out of business. There is a steel shortage, which means pipes. There are a shortage of pipes. They need upgrades. There's a labor shortage. They don't have the people necessary to be able to do this stuff. It is a very complicated issue. But there's also a very simple basic truth here as well. If the president of the United States changed his tone and positioning from one of ending the fossil fuel industry to one of coexisting with it, he would change things overnight. How do I know? Again, Back in 2008, July 14th, 2008, the price of a barrel of oil of West West Texas crude hit an all-time high, $147.90. On that very day, George W. Bush, then the President of the United States, came out and said, we would begin exploring the Gulf of Mexico and expanding drilling in the Gulf of Mexico. Oil prices tanked were down 12% by the end of that week, all the way down to $30 a barrel of oil by that November. It was one thing and one thing only. In fact, the only thing that happened that affected the price of a barrel of oil was George Bush saying, we will expand the exploration of oil in the United States, something that would take multiple years. It would be into the Obama administration before it would happen. And yet it still caused oil prices to go down. Why? Because oil is priced on a futures market. It's bought presently in a futures market. It's not bought presently in a present market. The price of oil is based on speculation about what's going to happen in the future. The Biden administration comes out and says you can get more oil. Guess what? The price of oil is going to go down. Instead, what the Biden administration is doing is they're trying to get Venezuela and Iran, two allies of Russia, to produce more oil for us, making us not dependent on Russia, but on allies of Russia to get that oil when we could be getting it out of our ground. In 2016, an updated energy survey of the United States showed that based on horizontal drilling and fracking, The United States of America now has more tappable oil reserves. That's key language. Tappable oil reserves means oil reserves we don't have to invent new technologies to get. We have the technologies available. The United States as of 2016 had larger tappable oil reserves than Russia or Saudi Arabia. Both of them thought to be the largest oil reserves on the planet. And now... We have the largest oil reserves on planet Earth. And Joe Biden doesn't want to touch them. He wants you to go get an electric car. It's the Marie Antoinette moment of the Biden administration that they want you to get into an electric car. Jennifer Granholm, the Secretary of Energy. Uh, egregious activities of Vladimir Putin, So this is why increasing production is really, and increasing clean energy, transitioning to clean energy are the
1: solutions. Uh,
0: Transition to green energy is the solution here. It'll take far longer to transition to green energy for all of us than to open new drilling exploration in the United States. This isn't hard, but they're trying to obfuscate. And my gosh, the media is out there helping them. Every single media outlet out there today, except for Fox News, is talking about Putin's war on energy. It's not Biden's problem. It's Putin's problem. No, it's not. The data is very simple. We could begin an announcement today that the American government will change its policy from ending the oil industry to working with the oil industry, and prices would go down overnight in the futures market. I know this because it happened in 2008 with George W. Bush it would happen here in this country as well but the biden administration dogmatically refuses to help the middle class because of the fears of a bunch of rich white people i want to play this audio for you again i played it the other day this is chris christie you're not going to be, you're going to hear chris christie's voice but i want you to actually be listening for george stephanopoulos's reaction to chris christie george's got to do two things at the same time and you should be able to. You have to ban Russian oil, and you have to increase domestic production.
1: And that is where Joe Biden's gonna have the problem, because he's held captive by the environmental
0: left. That but <laughs> <that when> John, <laughs> Perry, John <laughs> Kerry, his guy said uh. last week, that the real tragedy of Ukraine is, it's slowing our efforts on climate change. That
1: will summarize what the far left's view is about domestic oil production. Climate change, we just saw the UN report this week. It's, it is, this problem is an existential and crisis, and, and, and it's uh, getting worse. And,
0: and, 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 Climate change is an existential crisis, and it's getting worse. George Stephanopoulos makes $15 million a year. He can go buy a Tesla. You can't. The Biden administration is held hostage to a bunch of rich white liberals who make $15 million a year so they can care about a future climate crisis that is not upon us. Remember, in 2009, the Obama administration put up signs at Glacier National Park saying, based on the International Climate Panel, the glaciers at uh, Glacier National Park would be melted by 2020. In 2021, they took the signs down. The glaciers were still there. But George Stephanopoulos and members of the media who make millions of dollars a year can push this administration to hold the middle class and the working poor in this country hostage to their existential fears. When your existential crisis is being able to buy a loaf of bread and fill up your car, The other thing you need to worry about is in the air in your house. And I recommend the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Right now, you can get three of them. And you can get them for less than $200. Look, you want to save some money, you need an air purifier, this is a great one to get because you can get three of them for less than $200. You're actually saving $200, and you're going to get free shipping. And they got supplies right now. Thankfully, uh, they're dealing with the supply chain issues. What you do is you go to EdenPureDeals.com, and you put ERIC3 as your discount code in, ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. And you'll see, you'll be directed to the page for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Put it in your cart. At checkout, you'll see the discount code box. If it hasn't carried over, just put it in the discount code box, ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K, the number three, no space. Click the apply button. You'll get a discount of $200. You'll get three of them for less than $200. And you'll get free shipping, EdenPureDeals.com, the discount code ERIC3. This is of the program brought to you by First Liberty Building and Loan in Noonan, Georgia, wherever you are nationwide, they can help you. This great Georgia business has been helping companies across America since the early 90s become big businesses. They want to help you. If you need access to loans where banks are giving you a hard time or telling you no, reach out to First Liberty, firstlibertyga.com, firstlibertyga.com. Tell them I sent you. They'll see if you're a good fit for them. You can see if they're a good fit for you and do business. Now, I want to see if I can squeeze in a phone call here. Mark, uh, you're going to be up next. Welcome. Oh, hey, Eric. How are you? Great. What's going on?
1: Well, you know, everyone's been talking about the no-fly zone, and that's one issue. One thing I was thinking about that I don't know if anyone's really been bringing it up. I don't know if it's something you've heard about. But with so many folks over there, so many civilians getting you know, uh, stranded and getting kind of remote from any sort of help. Have you heard anything of uh, the talk of possibly doing airlifts of supplies into people there?
0: Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, the Australians uh, parachute dropped supplies into Ukraine the other day. Uh, they, they flew nonstop uh, from Australia to Ukraine, uh, were air-fueled by the U.S. Air Force somewhere over the Middle East, Uh, Did parachute drops into Ukrainian territory of supplies, uh, food supplies for the people, military supplies for the the military, and then turn around and flew home again, nonstop. Um, This is going to happen more and more. It's important. Western leaders are trying to keep open Western Ukraine. uh, The Russians have not been able to take it. And so you can get convoys in from the West. The Russians have been bombing the roads there, uh, trying to make it more difficult. But people are doing it. And a lot of churches are stepping up, too. Uh, the, the supply chain issue is one of the most difficult issues uh, to be able to deal with uh, in Ukraine right now. Uh, and there's also a lot of money. Uh, we're looking at doing a $14 billion uh, package of money to Ukraine so they can buy more gas and weapons from European nations uh, to help them out. We're giving them so much at this point. You, you wonder when Vladimir Putin's going to decide we're involved. Uh, nonetheless uh, it's the right thing to help them now look i got less than a minute i've got a bunch of people on hold y'all i promise i'll start the next hour if you hang on i'll come to you out of the gate in the next hour i'll take your phone calls as well 877-973-7425 i've g- I got a whole lot of stuff i hadn't even gotten to in the first hour we got to talk about some polling nationwide and also the iran deal itself leakers are leaking that it is a really bad deal and even democrats are starting to get concerned with what Joe Biden might have put in it. He literally has let the Russians and Chinese negotiate on our behalf. It's 2022. Things are still crazy. Yeah, things haven't settled down. And now you got the Federal Reserve and interest rates. You got the economy. You got inflation. A lot of banks won't even return your phone call. Let's say you're a small business and you need a loan for 750 thousand dollars or higher. You see an opportunity. Where banks? They don't even want to see you.